the Filipino American Woman Project, also known as Tifa Project for short. I am your founder, producer, and co-host, Jen Amos. And as always, I have my incredible co-host with me, Nani Dominguez. Nani, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome back, everyone. Yes. You know, it still kind of blows my mind that it's 2021. Like, can you believe it? And by the time this recording gets out, we're already, I think, like two weeks into the new year. So I don't know, Nani, initial thoughts about that? Time is just flying. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like the whole holiday season just like flew right by us. And so did the new year. And we're just like clearly hitting the ground running with that. So yeah, yeah, it's lots going on today and yesterday particularly have been just pretty mentally exhausting. Mm -hmm. I think for, you know, everyone yesterday and for me particularly today. So I am just trying to keep my head above water. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you for being here with me today and joining me and hanging out with who I'm going to introduce soon, my childhood, one of my childhood friends. Oh my God. But yeah, quick announcements before we dive into it. To our listeners, if this conversation resonates with you in any way, remember, we have a phone number. You can text us or leave a voice message at 415-484-8329 or the letters T-F-A-W. Although I don't know if people like pay attention to the letters anymore, if it's in a phone number. So I'm going to say it again. 415-484-8329. And if you want to learn anything about us or check out our show notes or any way to contact us or our guest today, you can check out our website, tfawproject.com. That's tfaproject.com. And, you know, Nani, I feel like I don't do this enough and I should do this because I deserve it, is we need to talk about our sponsors. <laughs> and yes, so, one yes. of the, so one of the sponsors I want to talk about today is actually Focus at Will. Focus at Will has been my favorite app since like 2014, I think, when I first noticed it. And it's the kind of app, especially if you are working from home, which like basically all of us are right now. If you're working from home and you really just need to focus. And what I like about Focus at Will is that you can just turn on this music and it's scientifically designed and chosen by, and let me just read the bullet points here. So, you know, Focus at Will was put together by a world-class team of scientists musicologists, I hope I said that right, and producers. And this is really just a way for you to just focus at home. And so I personally like it whenever I get anxious, when I'm about to get into work, I start playing that music in the background. And even as I'm working, I just play it and it really just helps. And so if you all want to learn about Focus at Will, just check out the show notes of this episode and just check out the list of sponsors that we have. But I don't know, Nani, I'm curious to know if you have any way to stay focused when you know, you're at home. (laughs) No, that sounds like something I need to download because that is a problem that I have working at home and just having everything at my disposal at all times. Uh, It does get incredibly hard to focus on like one thing at a time. So yeah, I could definitely benefit from something like that. It sounds like, but I know I have never tried it before. So yeah, I'll definitely download it and let you know how it goes. Yeah. And from what I recall, they actually give you like a 30 day trial. One of my friends, I was like super stingy about this. Every 30 days he would sign up with a different email. So he was able to like stretch <laughs> out the free thing. I'm not encouraging it. I'm just letting it know for you all. <laughs> Looking I'm for sure a hack. sponsor will love. <laughs> yeah. The good thing is that they're a big enough company where they won't notice like people yeah. doing that, but I guess they kind of will. But anyway, that's one of the sponsors that I feel is important to bring up today, considering these interesting times while the majority of us are at home nowadays. So, and again, of course, you can check out the rest of our sponsors in the show notes of this episode. All right. I think I did all the housekeeping. Oh yeah. Newsletter. Nani, tell them why they should sign up for our newsletter. <laughs> Sign up for our newsletter for latest updates on the podcast. Obviously, we put our latest interviews in there, any events or media features that we've been in recently. 
any awards that we've won, like the AAP honorable mention that we got most recently. And then we also include some goodies in there, like links to donate for the typhoons that were going on in the Philippines a couple months ago and kind of an overview of like news and politics, both here in the U.S. and in the Philippines. So we just keep you guys up to date with what's going on and typically put everything that I would normally be posting on social media since we don't really do that anymore right. uh, in the newsletter. So that's where you can find all things Tifa. Yeah. You know, let me tell you today. So at the time of this recording, something happened in DC. Y'all can Google it if you don't know about it already. And I have just not wanted to be on social media. Like I'm just like not about it right now. And so that's why I'm so grateful to you, Nani, (laughs) for being able to coordinate (laughs) our newsletter, because I feel like that's the one space where I could really feel like we both can be ourselves in front of our community and not feel like, you know, I'm at the mercy of spectators or trolls or anything. And so again, to our listeners, if you're wondering what happened to us and why we're not active on social media as much as we used to, it's because we're on our newsletter now and we'd love for you all to be a part of it and even contribute to it. All right. I think that's all the announcements, Nani. Anything else? I'm good to go. All right. Well, with no further ado, I'm really excited because I have known this amazing individual since high school. And so I'm going to bring her on and I'm just going to like, I'm going to say a lot of good things about her as we go on. So let me go ahead and introduce you all to DJ, event producer, and productivity consultant, Tiffany Rivera de Guzman. Tiff, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. And yes, we've known each other since high school. (laughs) Yeah, that's really crazy. Like when I think about high school, like what year did we enter high school? That was like... So we graduated in 06. So 2003 is when we went to the same high school together because I went to East Lake for the first year. And yeah, it's just crazy. That's a long time. So that's, we've known each other for like 15, 16 years now. <laughs> it's like it's crazy. Yeah. Tiff, welcome aboard. And I know that Nani and I had said a lot of things initially in our opening conversation. So I thought I'd start with you kind of sharing if you had any initial thoughts on anything we talked about. I love Focus at Will. And I totally did the same thing that your friend did, like sign up with different emails every month. Beautiful, beautiful. So we know that works, y'all. That got me through graduate school, so. Yeah, yeah. well, cool. Well, good to know. Good to know there's another satisfied sort of customer here who kept changing her emails. But again, I'd like to declare to the world that I am a paying customer and I've been a paying customer (laughs) since 2014. And it's actually not even that. I mean, I think the price went up, honestly, like since then, but I was able to like get grandfathered in, I think, to like, I don't know, like a really good price. I'm not going to say the price. I'm not going to bring it up. All right, moving on. So Tiff, this is probably an obvious question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. How did you hear about our project? And more importantly, what compelled you to join us today? So I heard it from someone named Jen Amos. (laughs) So yeah, Jen and I have known each other since high school. And I think something that we have in common, especially in our adult life, is that we sort of took a non-traditional path, especially being Filipino-Americans, where when we were in school, we were involved in student organization, student leadership, and we continued to do creative projects and be really interested in how social media grew and unfolded. And so, yeah, in the last three or so years, I've been a freelancer and just made the jump to entrepreneurship late last year. And one thing that I've been wanting to do is be on more podcasts and especially ones that speak to the like multifaceted parts of my identity, one of which being Filipino-American. So I think it's really awesome what you two are doing and what your whole community is doing. Oh, and congrats on your nomination too. 
Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for that. You know, it's interesting because we're at a part of our friendship now, Tiff, where we can sort of talk about our business lives with one another. And I remember even just a handful of years ago, like, you know, you having a, a master's degree and being in higher education. I just find it so fascinating for someone to have kind of the resume that you have. And here you are taking this entrepreneurial leap. And, you know, I think about some of my other friends who, you know, just continue to stay in school and just continue to get like another degree and another degree. Like one of my friends, I think just got her third, like master's degree of sorts, you know? Yeah. And it, to me, it seems like you were able to kind of live that path or like you said, our parents and our family sort of expected from us. And yet here you are living this entrepreneurial life. And I feel like we can now have these conversations, these more candid conversations of what the difference is, you know, working a nine to five versus, you know, running your own business. And so to me, it's really refreshing because I feel like I've come to a place where it's like, if you're not living the entrepreneurial life, it's hard for me to have certain conversations with you. But if you are living in, you've kind of like, you know, you kind of jumped over the fence and you sort of see the other side. It's like, it's kind of a relief. It's like, oh, good. Like, it's like, I don't have to convince anyone. I don't have to like say things that kind of would sound offensive, you know? And so Tiff, I really feel that with you because of our history of, you know, meeting each other in high school and kind of watching each other from afar through our college experience to now, you know, being on this entrepreneurial journey together. So I wanted to see if you had any thoughts on that. Yeah, let's see. Yeah. Well, first of all, I did not choose this freelance entrepreneurship life. It chose me. <laughs> and like even talking about, you know, the more traditional, quote unquote, traditional paths that our families or parents or society wanted us to take, like even what I chose to study was non-traditional and what you chose to study in a way, because I was the stereotypical one that was like, oh, Tiffany, you're smart in elementary through high school. You should become a doctor. So that's what I tried to do when I got to UCSD freshman year, I was pre-med bioengineering. And I always laugh so hard when I think about that, how I, I really thought that's what I wanted to do because I did like helping people. I liked AP biology. So I thought, huh, this should be fine. But no one told me that trying to be pre-med at UCSD means like you don't talk to anybody and you just go to the library. Like, And I failed organic chemistry three times. Like I really tried, but it just wasn't for me. And then so I pivoted and changed my major. And yeah, I thought I wanted to be a doctor. Then I ended up doing like public health. So it was still kind of health related to appease my parents. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but I got really involved in student leadership, especially with volunteer organizations and international community service work. And so that kind of helped me figure out what I wanted my path to be, which was basically helping people. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, I was able to do that. I was working in nonprofit and in higher education, and I was encouraged by some supervisors and mentors. They said, you know, you're really good at this thing, working at, in higher education. You have student leadership experience. Maybe you should pursue your master's in higher education. I'll write your recommendation. So I did that, ended up at Cal State Long Beach, got my master's. I will say that the whole time I was procrastinating grad school by and coping with grad school through creative projects, both of my own and like other people around me. I was always fascinated by people taking a different path. So doing something creative, whether it's with food or music or YouTube. And so I, even before I was doing it like full time, I was already kind of dabbling in it. And so after I got my master's in 2017, I did it in Long Beach. So about 90 miles away from home in San Diego. And I love Long Beach and I still live here. <laughs> 
And my biggest fear after graduating was that I wouldn't find a job and I'd have to move back home to San Diego. It wouldn't be the end of the world. San Diego's not bad. It's just I thrive more in Long Beach than I do in San Diego. And so I did the job hunt. At the same time, I was doing a little bit of just like consulting or admin help here and there for some friends because they knew I needed work. But I got offered two jobs, two dream jobs, actually. So I got my master's in counseling specifically for higher education, but they do teach you just general counseling skills and outreach skills. And so I did a lot of suicide prevention outreach and gender violence prevention outreach as a graduate student. And so sorry if it's loud, Long Beach is noisy. (laughs) And so... Yeah, I got offered two dream jobs. One of them was 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 in Los Angeles. I was going to be the senior outreach coordinator for the main suicide prevention center in LA. So everywhere from like Long Beach to Northridge and like all the way out Pasadena, all further. I was basically in charge of suicide prevention in LA. So I did accept that job. But right as I was getting my fingerprints done, I got a call from someone that I knew back in college and a little bit after. I won't name any names, but they ran a volunteer program in Central America and like they'd send college students there and their headquarters was in Miami. And they called me, they said, hey, Tiffany, it's been a while because I volunteered with them back in college and one year after. And they said, so our director of university relations is retiring and we're trying to start a West Coast office and we think it should be you and you should run the office. I'm like, (laughs) so basically I would be paid to travel the world for free and do volunteer service work, something I was very passionate about. Wow. also passionate about suicide prevention in LA, but being in charge of all the outreach in LA means I was also had to be there as a driving around everywhere. Um, So this international volunteer work job would have been like full time working from home. I would live in Central America for three months out of the year. So like total dream job, but long, sad, devastating story short, like it wasn't a sham because I knew these people. They were actually my friends. They brought me over to Miami for training for about a week. And then they sent me back with a laptop and a phone. And then the communication got less and less. And they basically ghosted me and never paid me. And I worked for them for six weeks. And they're Microsoft OneDrive. And when I calmed down after turning in my letter of resignation, I tried to log back in. They they changed my password. And I never heard from them again. Oh, my God. I I remember when that happened to you. And I was heartbroken that that happened to you. Because, like, I mean, I talk about this a lot. And you're going to hear me. The listeners are going to hear this a lot. But you're just so kind hearted. And you're such a giver, you know. And for that to happen to you, like, I just know how how traumatizing that was. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. And so, yeah, that was rough, you know, to say the least. I didn't end up pursuing legal stuff. I looked into it, but it wouldn't have been worth it. And so, yeah, at the same time that year, I had just started DJing and I've been doing event production my whole adult life through like college student leadership. And then just growing up in a big Filipino family and at a big Filipino church, like every single weekend was an event and I'd always get volunteered, voluntold to like run it, you know? <laughs> I like that voluntold. <laughs> yeah, so I was in event planning and then I started DJing earlier that year. Everything always comes full circle for me. So the suicide prevention peer education program I worked for in graduate school, the year after I worked there, my student employees or my student coworkers, they contacted me. They said, hey, we have our annual wellness festival coming up. Our DJ dropped out and we're wondering if your husband can do it because my husband's been doing it for like 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, it's a campus event. It's during the week. So he's busy. You could borrow our sound system and I can help, like show you how to set it up. They're like, but we still need a DJ. Can you do it, Tiffany? And I'm like, 
I mean, I don't know how I've been to, you know, I go to my husband's gigs and stuff and I sort of know how to use it. And they're like, we think you could do it. Even if you just like press play and like, fine. And so I learned how to DJ in like two to three weeks. (laughs) Wow. And so like, and I loved it. And apparently other people did too. So yeah, basically, even before I got my master's, before I graduated, people were already asking me like, oh, can you DJ my graduation party or like this wedding's coming up or this like food pop up. So, so yeah, that already kind of started to take off without me really planning for it. Mm-hmm. And then, so October 2017, that is when that whole wage theft situation happened. And Thankfully, like a lot of people know me, like as Jen said, I'm trying to be better about accepting compliments. So I am very kind hearted and I'm also just known to be good at event planning. I'm very detailed and fun to work with. And it's always a good time. That's like detailed AF too. And so like people started referring me to random event work. And thankfully, one of the ones I was referred to ended up introducing me to someone who's now like a mentor and sister to me. She's also Asian American. And so she's an entrepreneur, like she not only helps produce like giant events. So this event that I got like thrown into not knowing what it was going to be, it was an inaugural global conference on the future of transportation. So this is just when like those electric scooters became a thing and these self-driving cars, they had these robots that are like the size of a carry-on luggage that like follows you around and holds your stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it was wild because it was 800 people. The organizers were in Canada, but they decided to do it in downtown LA Arts District and only arriving like a week before without knowing anything about LA Arts District. Mm So we used to say there was a lot of moving parts and then it was just, that's the biggest event I'd ever been part of. And it was very game recognized game because my friend introduced me to her. She probably thought like, oh, it's probably just like a production assistant. She'll probably like help fold pamphlets or something, but she had no idea. Like I'm an event planner too. And so from there, she really took me under her wing and showed me just like entrepreneurship. It's not always just this thing where you have an idea, you create a business plan and then you, you do it. Right. A lot of times it's just a lot of random different gigs or opportunities and you figure it out as you go, you know, and she has a ton of experience in it, but I still would observe that in terms of the work that she'd helped me get. Cause it wasn't just event planning. Sometimes I was like a personal assistant for some rich kid in LA or like lots of very random things. But through that, I learned like, well, I actually like this. It's kind of strange because I'm always in these weird situations, but and like very, a lot of sorry, weird, but like unfamiliar situations, but I like the variety. I like the hours because I'm not a morning person. And so you kind of just decide, do I want to work this event or not? And then that's the time you actually have to be somewhere. And then all the pre-event planning, you could do that on your own time as long as you're meeting deadlines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's basically how I ended up on this non-traditional path. And I kept giving myself deadlines like, okay, like, this is cool. It's fun, but it's also stressful. Do I need more stability? Should I actually use my degree and get a nine to five? But every time I've reached like a benchmark, I'm like, no, I think I'm just going to keep doing this. (laughs) (laughs) And I just think that and mental health is definitely something I want to get into, but like just with my, who I am, and then also the mental health challenges that I have, it just works better with who I am. And I don't feel like I'm trying to fit into this mold that was made for me that seems to be made for everyone. And I felt so like out of place all the time or felt so guilty about myself. Like, Mm. why is it so hard for me to get to work on time at 9am? Why is it hard for me to focus sitting in a like 
in a drab office with like a dusty couch in the corner. You know what I mean? So yeah. So that's I think. Hmm. Yeah, I was just gonna say I think a lot of people feel that way, but the shame that they carry for like you know they carry shame for saying oh why is it so hard for me to wake up in the morning and get to work on time like that seems like such a simple thing that everyone else in the world does but <laughs> like you said for some people it's just not the right setup it's just not ideal and most people don't work well under pressure yet they keep trying to force themselves into that little box anyway so i love that it sounds like even through all the like trials and tribulations that you've been through in like exploring all these different career paths it seems to always like the energy that you put out always seems to come back to you tenfold somehow and you just find a way to make it work and in a way that's like such an exciting life to live mm-hmm. yeah no beautiful i think that there's kind of this common theme amongst Panais where we become this accidental entrepreneur. Not everyone, obviously. Nani's the lucky one. She's the one with the nine to five right now. Oh, don't speak too soon. <laughs> yeah. Not after the day I've been having. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're texting me about it. I was like, maybe, maybe like there's still hope for her in her current job. Maybe this but- is my time. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Oh, that'd be fun. But you know, it's like there comes a point where, you know what your family and friends or your circle have expected you to be or what you kind of perceive that your family was expecting you to be just doesn't align. Like as you start to go out there, like it's funny because I mean, you got your master's TIFF. I like to joke that I'm a master's dropout because I did get accepted into my program and I just did not attend. I think I went to like one class and like, that was it. I was like, now I'm good. Like I proved to myself that I could be book smart, but at that time I was already like, in sales and I was already getting a kick out of it. And I was like, you know, I'm going to see where this goes. And then, you know, here I am almost 10 years later now where I just haven't looked back. (laughs) And yeah, I just think that a lot of us kind of come to this place, not all of us, obviously, but a good number of us come to this place where it's like, man, like just that way that I thought I was supposed to live, like it just doesn't align with me anymore. And there comes a point, I think almost like a breaking point where it's like, I love my family, but I love myself more, you know, and you just have to kind of go into it and hope that your family still loves you anyway, (laughs) you know, and I think about like my own life and like my mom is, you know, fortunately she still loves me. So yay me and my family and I still like get along and stuff like that. But I like your story of like, it's not like you decided to just take the leap, you know, it just happened one event after the next. And then before, you know, and I love how you mentioned those deadlines, because I remember you told me, I think it was like literally a year ago and I was in town and I, and I visited, you're like, yeah, I think I'm going to wait till like the summer or like my birthday to decide if I still want to do this. And then, so when you told me that you were expanding your team, like recently, I was like, I was like, wait a minute. I thought you told me <laughs> that you like, I guess that changed, didn't it? And so I just love that. And I think it is healthy to do like checkpoints like that to say like, Hey, do I still want to do this? I think that's very healthy. And I think that's like the benefit of being self-employed or being, you know, having a business for yourself is like you, you can have those conversations and we have to remember at least you and I, it's like, we do have like our degree that we could supposedly fall back on, you know, like we could always go back to that life. I think if we wanted to, you know, we, yeah. we at least tell ourselves, right. I'm not going back to that life. I really, that's going to take a lot for me to go back to that life, but you know, it's like, at least you have that net so that you can, you know, allow yourself to keep kind of doing those check marks and say, do I want to still keep doing this? Yeah, I do. So I just want to acknowledge that and really, really applaud you for 
you know, kind of doing that. I think that's a good lesson for people who do want to take that leap to, you know, to remind themselves like, Hey, maybe I should set deadlines and see if this is a life I still want to live. Thank you. Yeah. So let me go ahead and transition to the next question. So for our show, our show is called the Filipino American Woman Project for a reason. The definition has expanded really as the more guests we bring on the show. So why do you specifically identify as a Filipino American woman? Or why does that label really resonate with you amongst all your other multifacetedness? Yeah, so being Filipino American, it's very important to me. It's interesting because in college, I intentionally didn't get involved with anything Filipino related. And it was nothing like I hated myself or my culture. It's just that I was able to experience my culture so much growing up because my dad has nine siblings and my mom has 11 siblings and all my mom's side's in the Philippines. My dad's side is here. So, and they all live like in Southern California for the most part. So I really got to, yeah, just like bask in my culture, my, my whole upbringing. So it was more of like, I wanted to bring my culture to other spaces. Right. Mm, love then, that. Yeah. And it's just always been a big part of me. Like if I think about my titles, I'm an event producer, I'm a DJ, I'm a productivity consultant. So the first two, like something that a lot of people associate with being Filipino and Filipino American is like family parties, you know? So a lot of the work that I do, it's informed by like, I've never been professionally trained as an event planner, but I just like, it's in my veins, you know, like I grew up doing it and like our families are like Filipino culture is all about togetherness and hospitality. So it's just something that's been innate inside me. And I've had the privilege to be able to sharpen those skills, you know, mm-hmm. My family, they're both from Pampanga and so are Kapangpangan. And Pampanga is known to be sort of the food capital of the Philippines. So a lot of the food, like I believe Longanisa and Tocino is from there and like they always say that Kapangpang and women are known for two things. One, for being able to cook and two, for being very beautiful. But <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> and yeah, so it's just like food and all the connotations of food, even though like I don't directly do food, I don't call myself a chef or anything. Like a lot of the collaborations I do and the client work I do is for people in the food industry and especially in the Filipino American food space. Like I've like I had a short stint on YouTube. I did like two pop-ups. It wasn't for me. Like cooking for money is like really cool, but I prefer to just cook at home. But yeah, it's just been interesting to me seeing how Filipino culture has been able to be shared in the last three to five years through food, you know, because I think Filipino food and Filipino American food, I don't want to call it a trend because it's always been there. It's not a new thing. It's just getting been getting more recognition, which mm-hmm. is nice. And I think that what I see people trying to do with Filipino food that resonates with me is just like sharing that it's more about like a label, like this is Filipino food, here's what's on the menu. It's about the full experience, you know, like if you enter a Filipino home, whether it's a gathering or you're just like picking up something from your friend, like you're going to get invited in, like you're going to be offered food, like usually either like at least at my house, there's always music playing in the background by my dad or they're watching TV. There's always a lot of like activity and they just want to make sure that you're taken care of. And so a lot of the work I do, I didn't mention it earlier, but my freelance entrepreneur jump is I started a startup consulting and entertainment company and it's called Amplify Productions. And so 
Amplify stands for, um, it's short for amplifying empathy. And I think that's a big part of Filipino culture. And it really drives everything that I do. Because as I was trying to figure out how I wanted to rebrand my company, as I'm building a team, I thought, what makes me, what like sets me apart as an event producer, as a DJ, as a consultant, it's that empathy. And I truly believe that comes from my Filipino culture. And there's just a good feeling that you get when you leave like a good Filipino party. Like I'm saying a good Filipino party because we can get into like all the problematic parts of like <laughs> whether you lost weight or gained weight or like all the toxic yeah. interactions that go down at those fun parties. Yes. <laughs> yeah, like, you come from, like a good Filipino party where you're not like accosted with personal questions you don't want to answer. <laughs> you feel like physically full because you just ate a bunch of food. You feel like you had a sense of enjoyment, you feel cared for, you know, and I think that's just who I am. I want, you know, they have that quote. It's like people, I'm paraphrasing, people won't always remember what you said or what you did, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. And that's just so important to me just as an individual and also in business that after people work with me, even if it's just like an initial consult call, like I want them to feel good. Like I want them to have smile during the conversation. I want them to feel like they're in good hands that they're taken care of. And so that's really what being Filipino American means to me. You know, it's, of course, there's the food and the festivities, but it's really like what's at the heart and soul of that. It's just wanting to take care of people and wanting people to feel included. I have a lot of thoughts, but I wanted to check in with you, Nani, first, see if you had any initial thoughts, because between us two, you have a big family. You're the one that kind of grew up around your big family. Um, And so just wanted to get your thoughts on what Tiffany shared. Yeah, no, I mean, as you were kind of describing how your Filipino culture plays into like Amplify and basically all of the initiatives that you're a part of now, I don't think we need further explanation. I think we all know that like warm and fuzzy feeling that you're talking about, you know, walking out of those parties with feeling full, both physically and just like emotionally. And yeah, it just makes me miss my family and really resent the fact that we can't get together, you know, like that these days because of our dearest coronavirus and all that. But yeah, it just, it brings up a lot of feelings of nostalgia for me. So thank you for that. (laughs) Yeah. I also think it's uh, just really beautiful how your upbringing and your environment growing up really shaped the professional you are today. It's interesting, like this is always a a reoccurring thing for me. And I don't know if I've ever talked about this in front of you, Nani, but I've always like envied big families. Like Mm -hmm. uh, Tiff, you know, Adrian, my my best friend, Adrian, like he comes from a big family as well. And I just remember he would talk to me about, he'd be like, yeah, so we had a family discussion today. And I was like, well, you had a family discussion today? Like you guys like talk to each other and shared your feelings, you know? Cause like with my family, like, you know, I was a military child. I moved around every two to three years for the first decade of my life. And then, you know, and then after we lost dad, I kind of just found myself in a lot of unhealthy environments within my family, which eventually, you know, carried out outside of my family and in a lot of my friendships and romantic <laughs> relationships. And so it's interesting. I've been thinking about this a lot lately, like now being out here in Virginia Beach and having lived here for almost two years now in March. And I was telling Scott, I was like, man, like, like I'm hungry for roots, you know, like I'm hungry for like family. And so to kind of just like live vicariously through your guys' stories of like being raised in that way. And like, you guys just know at like by default, if, if you're, if you need your family, like they're going to be there. Like, that's something that I wish I had, like, I, I wish I had that right now, you know? 
until then I have this podcast. So yay, (laughs) I have my uh, second family on here. But yeah, you know, I appreciate you sharing that. And it's just nice to know that you also look at the positive side of having a big family and like going to those parties, because we all can mention, we all can list all the toxicity that can happen in those kind of spaces. You know, for me, having been so hypersensitive growing up and having experienced a lot of toxic interactions with family, it just really pushed me away. And till this day, you know, fortunately, my sister has this motivation now to get to know dad's story and what happened to him. And part of that is talking with family again. I told her that, you know, if you want to talk to family that I don't talk to anymore, I'll do it for you. Like, I'll do it for you. I'll do it for the sake of dad. So that's kind of where I'm at with family right now. But until then, it's just kind of cool to see how I feel like what you both have in common is like being like born and raised in California and like having a big family there. And I just feel like I can kind of steal a part of it just by hearing you guys, (laughs) you know, talk about your families and everything. Also, and you sharing your story, Tiff, I, I kind of feel like in my mind, you're kind of the epitome of like a Panay because you come from a big family and you're all about food. And I remember your food channel on YouTube and like the professional production around your show, like people should check it out. Like, is it still up? (laughs) I don't do it anymore and I don't ever will, but I have that one. But then I started, I tried to start another YouTube channel quarter four, 2020, but then a lot of things happened with the pandemic, but anywho. Yeah. Yeah, so that was dining at Tiffany's. It's still there. It's like food and personal development. And then I just started one called DJ Honey Me at Home. So it could involve cooking because I cook, but it's not a tutorial or instructional. It's more of like an audiovisual diary. So I just mm-hmm. do over just different scenes of what I'm doing. But yeah, and, yeah, and I like how you said epitome of a Filipina because there was a moment in the last few years where I bought my first 15 pound bag of rice. It was so big. <laughs> Am I a real Filipina now? <laughs> yeah. You need one of the, uh, like, what do they call it? Where the you dispensers. put the rice in and then you push the button like one, two or three, and it gives you like however much rice. <laughs> yeah. My mom still has that. <laughs> yeah. I want one of those. except I have no space for it. <laughs> yeah. Millennial, like I decanted it into like a cute jar, like a glass jar. Yeah. Oh my God. That's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, just so much of your life, like you're reminding me of like the life I at least knew about you. And yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Like why you weren't as involved in the Philippine organizations on campus because you just grew up in that space already. And I love how you said, like, I want to bring it into other spaces. Like I want people to know how cool it is to be a Filipina, (laughs) you know, like I really, that was one of the best things I got from my undergraduate experience is just being able to like have this cross-cultural learning in a very natural way just through student orgs or friendships. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, thank you for um, sharing all of that. And I remember when you first told me about your new company, Amplify, and, and describing it as amplifying empathy, I was like, Oh, like that so sounds like TIFF because one thing that I think we should get into now is just your involvement in the mental health space, like just how you are such a big advocate for talking about it and even sharing your own personal experiences around it. And so, you know, that's one thing I've always appreciated about you is I don't know if you like recently owned it, but if anything, I've always appreciated you owning kind of like your hypersensitivity and your personality. And again, like talking openly about it. So I just want to kind of applaud you for that. And I'm just really excited to see like the good work that's going to come out of that. Yeah. Yeah. So for this next portion, I'm going to kind of do this like 
we're still in the pandemic. So like in our previous episodes, I call it like, you know, life today, pandemic style and lessons and stuff. So since we're not out of that yet, this next portion, Tiff, is really about kind of life today for you. And you can answer this one or two ways, like, you know, based on your life today, like what is a lesson that you want to share with our listeners today, pandemic style or not? And what compelled you to like, what aspect of your life inspired that lesson? And it's something I've been thinking about a lot, especially in 2020. Mm-hmm. And it's the concept of five heartbeats at a time. And what do I mean by that? Mm-hmm. So if you think about your life right now, so we're in the present moment, whatever date it is when you're listening to this. And basically, whether or not you looked at it this way, your whole life leading up to this moment has happened in five heartbeats at a time. It's happened in five second increments, five minutes at a time. And that means that as we move forward and think about our future, like sometimes we only ever need to think like five heartbeats at a time or five seconds at a time. And where did I come up with this? I feel that when I hear people's stories, whether it's because I have a counseling degree and people just tell me things or what I observe, the content that I watch and read on personal development, it's that a lot of the most profound, insightful, helpful things come from when people were in their darkest moments, whether, you know, they or someone in their life was diagnosed with a terminal illness or you know, had someone close to them die or like things like that. For me, it's been my struggles with my mental health. And so, yeah, I've been dealing with chronic symptoms of depression and anxiety since like 2013 diagnosed, but I probably was experiencing it before. It's just like back, I sound like, I feel like an old geezer when I say it's like back in my day. Um, uh, at this point in our lives, Tiff, we're, we're basically old. Yeah. <laughs> we are, we we're are all the getting old. there. Yes. Yeah. We, yep. We can, we can say we can a long time ago. that phrase pretty, pretty <laughs> excessively, I think. <laughs> when I was an undergraduate, the word self-care was not a word. We didn't mm-hmm. really talk about mental health at all. Mm-hmm. And in fact, especially in the community services, student org spaces, all about like, oh, the more you volunteer or do things, the more like you'll be rewarded. It'll get you internships or jobs or people will like you. Mm-hmm. You know, That was the space I came out of. So I didn't realize how freaking burnt out I was and how much I wasn't taking care of myself. I was only taking care of other people. And so finally, mm-hmm. my whole life, probably about first 25 years of my life, I just didn't think about myself. It was always about who I was dating. And I was really like, it was important to me to be dating someone. Otherwise I didn't feel whole, you know, mm, yes. or, like, what do my parents need me to do? Or what do they need me to do at church? Like, I didn't really want to be a Sunday school teacher. I'm glad I did it. Cause I love my students, but like, it's, I just always did what was asked of me, you know, or I just go above and beyond to help people. And so finally it was like the first year that I was in graduate school in Long Beach and I was starting to feel my first symptoms of depression and anxiety. I thought it was just because I got out of a bad breakup, but yeah, it was just, I did, this was so new to me, even though I was entering a counseling program, I thought like, oh, I'm entering a counseling program because I like helping people. I had no idea that, that like, it was honestly the best thing that could have happened is that I was going through mental health challenges for the first time in a counseling program. So basically surrounded by a bunch of caring classmates, right. all the research, mental health, all the education. So I feel very 
blessed and privileged in that. But for anyone out there who's experienced depression, and if you are like depression, anxiety, any symptoms, like at least in the States, one in four adults has experienced something like that. So you're not alone. I want to stress that to everyone. But when you're in it, and sometimes my depressive episodes, especially when I wasn't receiving treatment, like therapy or medication, like they would last for like months at a time. I wouldn't talk to anybody. Mm -hmm. I would just be in room and shut my roommates out. My parents were so worried because they didn't hear from me. And I was living away from my hometown for the first time. Like it was hard. And I won't get into this too much because I don't want it to be too triggering for anyone. But since then, so like 2014, I've actually checked myself into the hospital for suicidal ideation twice. Mm. And truly, I only really knew about that because of my education that like, it's okay to do that. Because in grad school, we took the training because we had to as students in like suicide prevention. But then I actually like did an internship in it. So I was like very familiar. So as I was going through it, it was very meta because I'm like, I'm basically checking off all the boxes in those trainings and like when someone needs to go to the hospital. So I was privileged for that information to know like I need to go. And if I go, then it's not going to be a 5150 because it's voluntary. It's just a space where I could be safe for myself, you know? And even after you get out of the hospital, like there's a recovery period, just like if you get surgery or something, there's a recovery period where you're still like Hmm. very susceptible to falling back into that really dark place where like, honestly, I felt like catatonic, like I couldn't move. I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to talk to anyone. I hated myself. Like everything I was saying to myself in my head was just so cruel to myself, berating myself. And the reason why I, I really resonate with five heartbeats at a time is because a lot of times people in terms of productivity, and that's why I do productivity consulting, it's all based on like how I got my master's degree while like having severe depression. Like everything I do is because I really tried everything. Like I had to take an extra year for grad school, which is fine, but like just to get things done. Grad school is already hard if you're not nursing a mental illness or other type of, you know, limitation. But yeah, I just had to do things like because the writing used to come naturally to me. I was having trouble writing essays, things like that. But I'm like, all right, there's productivity tips like the Pomodoro method, where you set a timer for 20 minutes, then you take a break for 10 minutes, things like that. But for someone who's depressed or anxious and feeling frozen or stuck, like 20 minutes is a long time to commit to doing anything. Hmm. So sometimes I would just set a timer for five minutes or like sometimes it'd be just like one minute. And that was the only thing that would get me up and going, you know, or just telling myself like, okay, you just have to like take one breath and sit up then take one breath and like go. And so... One thing that I tell people if they're going through depression or anxiety and they're stuck in bed is like, make yourself a cup of tea or a hot drink. And so what I mean by that, that's already overwhelming. If you're depressed, I'll tell you that right now. Like I had a whole ass cooking, my lot to curse, I had a whole ass cooking show. Oh yeah, it's explicit. It's fine. Yeah, I had a whole ass cooking show. And, but when I was depressed, I couldn't even make cereal. That was like the most stressful thing to me. I'm like, I don't even remember how to do this. My brain's not functioning. Do I get the bowl first or the spoon? Does the milk, you know? And so that obviously makes you feel like crap about yourself. But I always tell people to make a cup of tea because like it's, or a hot drink, whatever's easiest for you. So it's like, and then you break it down. It's like, okay, I have to make a cup of tea. So what do I need to do? People who are depressed in this day and age are probably stuck on their phone, scrolling, watching other people's lives and being sad, right? So it's like, all right, what's the the first step? Like maybe put your phone on airplane or just put it face down. Okay, that's like your five heartbeats of activity or your five seconds or five breaths. Then you have to like sit up. And then you face like, so then your legs are towards the floor. 
you put one leg down, the other leg, and then you walk, you walk, you walk, you do the water, you get the tea. And so it's just like things that we take for granted, like the ability to make yourself a cup of tea, like it becomes the thing that like will help you get out of this. Because a lot of times we think, especially with hard things, especially mental health stuff, that it's going to take like one inspirational Instagram post or like one like life coaching program or like one like family to get you out of it. But it's, it's not, they will be helpful. But what it is, is just like regaining your confidence in tiniest of tiniest baby steps to remind yourself that like, no, your brain is lying to you. You can make cups of tea. You can work a job. You can go to school. You can do all these things, but you have to start like so simple. And then like, I always think about when we microwave things and we have like three minutes or something, we always get stuff done when we're microwaving stuff. Right. And so I always tell people make a cup of tea. Cause then while the water is boiling, maybe you can take care of something that's like really bothering you that you've been putting off. Like maybe if you're depressed and you're eating a bunch of chips in bed, like use that time to like throw the chip bags away or, you know, then once the tea is steeping, you watch it, like either just take a moment to like breathe it in or like take care of another thing or start a to-do list, write down one thing you want to get done you know, and so that's one of the biggest lessons that I've found from going through all the dark times that I did, whether it's like depression, or now as a freelancer and entrepreneur, like it's pretty overwhelming not having a blueprint for what you're doing or an instruction manual. So I just tell myself like, okay, Tiffany, you only have to work on this for five minutes. And then once you do something for five minutes, you've made progress. Cause like five minutes, five seconds, five heartbeats or five breaths, that's already more than zero. So you're Mm -hmm. making progress. So I always tell people that like, just work on your dream or your idea for five minutes a day. That's all you have to do. And then you're already making more progress than like the last three months, one year or however long you've been like ruminating on this idea and not doing anything about it, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, I like the five heartbeats thing. It actually reminds me of the five minute journal. And uh, really what it is, is that you start your day, let's say you're brushing your teeth, like you have two and a half minutes to just kind of write what you're grateful for and what you're looking forward to in the day. And then at the end of the day, you spend another two and a half minutes just sharing the things that you're proud of and stuff like that, or things that could have been better. And it's so simple and it seems like not a big deal, but it's the small wins that are truly the big wins, right? Especially when you're in that kind of you know, mindset or in that kind of state of mind. I feel like I said the same thing, but you know, like Tiff, I just appreciate you sharing that because if there's anything that Nani and I love talking about on the show is mental health. And I was just sharing, and I shared this with you too, Tiff, like, you know, in December is my month of seasonal depression. And, you know, fortunately, in addition to couples counseling, I got a therapist for myself. And I think after, it was really after my birthday, Nani, like when I I felt like it was gone, I felt fine. But I know that I kind of like throughout the years, I, I, I never did that. I was never proactive in that way. And so it would normally last like the entire month for me, <laughs> if anything. And so the fact that I was able to be okay within like, you know, from the start of December to like my birthday, which is like, you know, two weeks, the first two weeks of December, you know, it's kind of just like, I want to give myself a pat on the back for doing that, you know, but I still have a lot of thoughts I want to share, but thought I would check in with Nani as well. See if you had any thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I just want to appreciate your ability to like help yourself in those darkest moments. I think that a lot of us feel symptoms of anxiety and depression, maybe some people more often than others, but the way that people typically, at least in circles that I'm familiar with approach it is denial. Mm -hmm. And I love that you are able to, you know, you will you happen to be going through the program at the same time you are experiencing them. 
And instead of like trying to sweep it under the rug or say like, oh no, kind of like meet it with disbelief, you took the steps to actually help yourself. Mm -hmm. And you're right, you know, it does just take one step at a time, despite how large of a task it kind of feels like to take big strides to get out of it. It really does start with like what you're able to do for yourself and taking it one step at a time. And I think I said this in the last episode that Jen and I recorded together, a quote that I shared was, hope is the gift that you give to yourself in times of despair. And that's just, you know, a prime example of that. And yeah, you're just such like a hero for sharing that story. And, you know, I've definitely been there before and for the longest time, shame myself for it, deny it, or just tell myself like, you have to get over it, that you're not special. Everyone goes through this, like, again, just shaming myself for it. So I appreciate your ability to like slow down, practice acceptance and actually take the steps that you need to, to like help yourself instead of feeling bad for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes that I have on Instagram, it's still on there at the time of this recording is by Alice Walker. And it goes, the most common way people give up their powers by thinking they don't have any. And I feel like it sort of resonates with this conversation because it's like when you feel those urges to kind of minimize yourself, it's like that's the opportunity to take control and be like, you know what? No, like I'm not going to minimize myself. Like I do need help. And I think, Tiff, you were just so fortunate to be in your master's program to, you know, have access to all of that because like, I don't even know how to check myself into anything. Like, I don't, <laughs> like, I don't know how to do that. And it's like, you had, like, you were able to have that kind of direction and also like just that compassion, I'm sure by your classmates and just the whole study saying like, Hey, it's okay. Like if you have these symptoms, like you should probably check yourself in somewhere, <laughs> you know? And so I just love that, you know, you have the tools for yourself to find that self-healing and to get that help. And also just the transparency to share that with people and say that it's okay. I think it's common knowledge for all of us to know that mental health is a stigma in our community. And so that's why, again, like why it's such a big deal for Nani and I to talk about it and why I always get giddy when I have someone in the mental health space talking with us. Cause it's like, yes, like, tell me more, like, tell me what else I can do to make myself better, <laughs> you know? So, so thank you Tiff for, you know, joining us today and, and really, you know, sharing that big lesson with us. I feel like, I feel like the five heartbeats is probably going to be included in the title somehow. I'm going to, going to find a way to fit it in there. But before we wrap up, Tiff, I just want to make sure, is there anything else that you want our listeners to know, whether it's about yourself or any other like lessons or just, you know, just any advice that you want to share with our community? Yeah. So one thing that I really want to emphasize is the reason why I share my story, even if it seemed like people have thought like, oh, she's just looking for attention or pity. And that's no, it's because when I was going through my darkest moments, I wish there was someone like me out there sharing their story and like walking me through it, you know, or showing me that I'm not alone or nothing's wrong with me that I'm going through this, you know, it wasn't until the first time I was in the hospital that my extended family started talking about mental health. Then, like, I was okay that my parents shared it with them because other than that, we kept it pretty private. But all of a sudden, my auntie started messaging me like, hey, I have, I've actually been on anti-anxiety medication for years. Or like, I go through that too. And I'm like, okay, thank you for telling me that. But also, why did it take me having to like go to the hospital and be in that dark of a place for yeah. anything? That's okay, you know, because then before that, when I was starting to have these symptoms, people would say like, oh, maybe you just have thyroid issues or like, maybe you need to pray yeah. more or like, yeah. <laughs> you have to be depressed about, like, you know. 
uh, your life is fine. Like when I was in the Philippines, my life was hard. I'm like, life is hard in a different way here. Right. We experience different hardships and that's okay. Mine isn't greater than yours or vice versa. (laughs) Yeah. And so, yeah, so I just really want to emphasize that like the more that podcasts like yours do their thing and the more just even as individuals if you don't have a brand just sharing your story in places where it is safe to do so with trustworthy people like it'll not only be good to get that off your chest but you never know like who will be helped by your story who will be encouraged or you could even save a life you know and yeah Basically, if anyone is ever in that situation, um, I believe they're going to put my contact info somewhere. You're welcome to reach out to me because me being an event planner, I could even tell you what to pack for the hospital to make it like a little bit less, <laughs> less uncomfortable. You know, I just I just want everyone to recognize like what you said, Nani, about like accepting that this is what you're going through. And once you accept it, then the next part is then, you know, you can figure out a way forward, whether it's five heartbeats at a time, whether you're doing it on your own, or what I recommend reaching out to someone you can trust, whether it's a friend, family member or professional. There's a lot of stuff besides just calling your crisis hotline. There's a lot of resources all around you. Yeah, for sure. It's like, I try to collect all the resources that I'm aware of and I just put it on a portion of my website. Like it's good for people, but it's kind of like mainly for me to remember like what I have access to, you know? (laughs) But I agree with you that, you know, this is why I love doing what I do like in podcasting is because I have this mission to, you know, find common ground with everyone through conversation and storytelling. And if I can create that safe space for people to join us, then, you know, it helps not just me to have that, you know, form of self-healing, but to our listeners. And, you know, Nani and I can both say that, you know, we've had a listener feedback in like paragraphs of like how much the show has resonated with them. And that's only possible if you share your story, you know, and obviously I don't want to force anyone to share their story. Right. But it's like, when you're in a healthy place now, such as your self tiff where you can like share what you went through and and the tools and the resources that you were able to benefit from i think it, it like you said it could save a life so thank you so much for joining us today i know we have to wrap up soon nani final thoughts from you I think your last point, Tiff, was great, and I hope it encourages more of you guys to share your stories, to reach out to us and share your stories, which you can sign up to do on our website now, <laughs> by the way. Oh, thanks for doing that. Thanks for doing that for me, Nani. <laughs> I'm usually the, the promotional one. I'm like, oh, do this, do that. So thank you for saying that. Yeah, well, Tiff, let us know. For anyone that wants to reach out to you, what's the easiest way to get a hold of you? Yeah, definitely Instagram. So I'm pretty active and you're welcome to DM me as long as you respect my boundaries and don't mansplain me. <laughs> so it's DJ Honeymee, DJ H-O-N-E-Y-M-E-E. And then if you want to follow my journey on the startup, it's Amplify.pro, E-M-P-L-I-F-Y dot P-R-O. And you can talk to me on either of those platforms. <laughs> Perfect. One of the things that I started to enjoy doing with you, Tiff, is just sending each other voice messages. (laughs) So that's fun. (laughs) So thank you for letting me do that. Awesome. Well, wow. I'm just so, I'm so pleased at how this conversation turned out today. And, you know, Tiff, just yay to our friendship of like, I guess, 16, 17 years now at this point, I'm not going to do the math because it's like 2021. It's hard to subtract. I'm not gonna think about it, but it's been an absolute pleasure having you here and just watching your journey throughout the years. And, you know, I'm just so glad that we're still friends and I'm excited to continue to see our own journeys, whether it's in the entrepreneurial space or whatever, whatever happens, whatever comes up, because 
because uh, 2021 might not be so different from 2020. So we'll see. <laughs> all right. Well, with that said to our listeners, again, if you want to get a hold of Tiffany, we will have all of her contact information where she wants to be found because healthy boundaries are important uh, at our website, tfawproject.com or in the show notes of this episode. And of course, if this episode resonated with you, you could always text us or leave a voice message at 415-484-8329. With that said, thank you all so much for joining us and we'll chat with you in the next episode. Tune in next time. Ta-ta. Ta-ta.